0: and welcome to another episode of two guys in a chainsaw i'm todd and i'm craig well craig this week you picked the movie uh, and the movie that you picked so i was very excited about it 2021's spiral from the book of saw starring chris rock of all people and you know how much i love the saw movies i think I i've do. talked about that here many many times that was just a Man, it was just so great those first, I don't know what they were, 5 or 6 years when they were coming out every year on Halloween, and I would just go by myself and I would sit down yeah. with some popcorn. I couldn't get At first I couldn't get anybody to go with me, and then after that I just didn't want anybody to go with me cuz it'd been such a tradition. Mm-hmm. I just sat and I enjoyed the twistiness and the all the traps and the gore and all that stuff. I just it just really spoke to me. The first movie just blew me away. Just I just loved it. I loved the puzzle aspect of it. I loved all that stuff. So to find out that they were making a Saw movie, but they weren't calling it Saw 9, and, and it starred Chris Rock, and it's called Spiral. I'm thinking, how are they going to make this different and all that? So I was very interested to see it, and I was really happy that you chose it. And, of course, this is my first time seeing it. So what made you decide to pick this one this week?
1: You know that I just... <laughs> Horror is pretty much all I watch. Uh, and honestly, at this point... I will take just about anything I can get. That's not to say that this I I scraped this from the bottom of the barrel. I am daily kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel because I've just (laughs) seen so much. But this was one of those happy surprises where I was just scrolling through Hulu, of all places, because... They are not known, really, for their horror selection. But right. it, it popped up. It was there. And I was interested in it, too, for the same reasons that you were. I was never as big a fan of the franchise as you were. I thought the first movie was clever. And then after that, it was just every one had to be, how can we make it more intense and more gross? And Right. Uh, and I, I, I get it. And, and that's admirable, I, I, I suppose. I, I'm just not really... a big gore hound like that's not what excites me it doesn't particularly bother me but that's not what I'm going into a movie for so right. and, and plus <laughs> as it went on like but I, I kept up with them for like 3 or 4 and then somewhere around 4 or 5 it, they got so convoluted that I just couldn't. Oh, yeah. eat. I couldn't even keep up with who was who and what was connected to what like they would do those famous you know montages at the end that would like explain everything and i would be like i still don't get it i
0: don't know what's going on (laughs) (laughs) i mean as much as a fan of this of the movies as i am i've only seen each one of them once well actually i think i've seen the original and maybe the first and second one a couple times each but i'm with you on that they get so convoluted I mean, it's obvious, you know, when they wrote the first one, Lee Wannell and um and and James Wan, when they when they did the first one, it's like kind of their first big movie, and mm-hmm. uh you know they weren't necessarily intending to make sequels, and so in order to make sequels and keep Jigsaw in there, I mean, you know, like it just went to extreme lengths, and he's got an apprentices, and uh-huh. he's he's got these elaborate things that he's planned for well after his death that somehow work together. Right, right. I, I mean, it's it's not only convoluted, but it gets kind of unbelievable that all this yeah. stuff could fit together so well. But for me, anyway, I don't know. I just see the movies as, as big puzzles. I'm with you. I'm not a big gore hound either. When I saw the first one, I was pretty shocked. I guess that was the beginning of the torture porn genre or whatever. It which, was
1: around there, yeah
0: yeah yeah where suddenly him and and um and with Hostel with Eli Roth right, and them right, like suddenly right. there were these movies that were just not only were they just a bit more extreme than anything that we've ever seen they just lingered and kind of like this very hyper realistic yeah, human pain but also they were pretty mainstream movies
1: right I mean from a historical perspective it's really interesting because I feel like what they were doing is they were really pushing boundaries mm. and for whatever reason in that Time, the MPAA or whoever was just allowing those boundaries to be pushed.
0: Like It's unbelievable, the, the, really.
1: I know the stuff, you know, <laughs> you think about the stuff in the eighties and nineties, think Wes Craven's battles with the MPAA. Anything that they would have been trying to pass off for an R rating would have been tame compared to all of this saw slash oh, god stuff. And yet this this stuff got through (laughs) but and whatever i mean it's just i don't understand
0: why i don't i really don't even the director of this i was reading some interviews uh darren uh lynn bousman directed this one he also directed the first two sequels i think yeah Uh, oh no first three sequels really uh two three and four and he he even said he said there were a couple scenes in this movie where they had to cut he said they had to cut about three minutes worth of gore out And he said, honestly, I don't understand why. I think it's it's just a different time. He said, if you look at even like American Horror Story, he said, there is worse stuff that has been put on TV in the last few years than what we had in this movie that we were asked to cut out, so maybe things are kind of going backward, back a little bit, you know, to a more slightly more conservative as far as the MPAA is concerned. I don't Who know. Who knows?
1: Cause... I mean, we've talked about that too. I, I think the MPAA is on life support. Like, I, I just don't even think that they're really a significant entity anymore. Nobody. Cares. They're
0: not relevant, really. You no, know, I mean, right? Yeah. But,
1: but so anyway, so this was a happy <laughs> surprise. It popped up, and I had wanted to see it too for the same reasons that you did. I was in. Interested in that it was presumably, I mean, I really didn't know all that much about it, but presumably kind of his own standalone story in the Saw world. And that mm-hmm. appealed to me. Like, oh, yeah. okay. If I can start fresh with a new right. story, I'm down.
0: It's kind of a way of rebooting it without actually rebooting it, right? It's sort of like yes. bringing it back without having to keep the same tired formula of the other stuff, right? Right, they're not... In this case, it's almost like a copycat killer, yeah.
1: It is, and I was also intrigued by the casting of Chris Rock. It was weird, you know, and and I, I think everybody... Thought it was a surprise when it was announced that he was uh, involved and in, and not only starring in it but writing and executive producing. Like what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that, that that Chris Rock? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was intrigued because I I'm a fan of Chris Rock. I think he's a really funny guy, um, and I was really interested to see how that like like is he going to bring that Chris Rock thing to this movie or is it going to be like like you've never seen Chris Rock before. I
0: like, right. <laughs> I didn't know what it was going to be. I was thinking about this this whole time for reasons that I'm <laughs> sure we'll get into. But like Chris Rock and Jim Carrey, I'm trying to think of any of the other major A-list Saturday Night Live level comedians of that Xamu. era that ever jumped into serious acting. Think if I'm not mistaken this is Chris Rock's first foray into serious acting.
1: That I'm aware of. I mean, he was in, like, New Jack City or something, but he just had, like, I think he was, like, an extra kind a bit role or something like
0: that. Jim Carrey did the Truman Show and kind of blew us all away. It was like, wow, this guy, he can play drama.
1: Yeah, he he really can.
0: He really can. He's quite good. Chris Rock, on the other hand, Uh. was struggling through this film. (laughs) And... Oh, God. Who is this? I just, I think it's been a while before I've seen a movie that just shocked me at how bad it was. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just laying it all out there right now. I could not believe how uncomfortably bad this movie made me feel. Like, I was just, I'm watching it and I was just almost embarrassed that this thing existed and that all these people participated in it. I felt so sorry for them because it's so bad.
1: (laughs) That is hilarious. That's so funny. Before I respond to that, I also want to give Adam Sandler props. He can do it too. He's one of those Mm -hmm. funny SNL guys. He can do drama too. Um, I was really interested to see because I started watching it and, you know, I'm sure the audience knows too we're on opposite sides of the world so like literally my day is your night and vice versa and so I'm watching it and I want to text you as I'm watching it but I know you're in bed (laughs) (laughs) like I just want to be I just want to be texting you like what is happening? Like, what? What is this movie? I uh, I was so surprised by it, but I'm really now that I know that you think that it's awful, I'm really really excited to talk about it because I liked it and I can't figure out why because there's what? no there's no good reason to like it, but I did.
0: Oh my god! I. i just don't understand i don't understand it from my perspective all right this guy who's done three of the saw movies who arguably sort of set the standard for how the saw movies should be laid out kind of like breaks the rules not only that but in just basic filmmaking ways one of the biggest problems i had with this movie was okay and i and i think this was done intentionally all right if you read interviews with them and you read what they have to say about it they were like we were really excited to take the Saw franchise in a new direction and make it like more like a police procedural. Uh-huh. Because, you know, the police have always been a part of the Saw, which is true, yeah. right? There's always right. some point in which the cops are trying to hunt down the killer and they're always a step or two behind and all that. So we just thought we'd bring that to the forefront. So they do this and it becomes what is essentially the most hilariously bad. <laughs> police procedural the most simplistic stupid it's really like bad. it was written by a 12 year old who watched some police procedurals who just put all the cliche pieces together uh, all right you know, like they put that uh, down and the e- only connection it ends up having with the Saw franchise is that the people who die are in these like weird saw traps right that's it <laughs> all, The only connection it has is the people who die are in these weird saw traps The clincher on it is, is that all of the tension that you get with the Saw movies, which is, oh, they're in these traps. They have a decision to make. They've got to like do this kind of weird puzzly thing or do something really horrible to themselves in order to to save themselves, is completely lost. Because in every single instance, you know they're dead. You see them get into the trap. Then it cuts away. And then the next thing you know, the police have discovered a body, and they're hurrying off to the scene, and they find the body. And then we get a flashback to that person in the trap. So there's, there's no question as to whether they're going to get out or not. We know every yeah. single time they're going to die. Oh, that only happens that
1: one time with the, Dude, with the finger trap.
0: It happened a... every time. Every <laughs> time. Except for the end. The very end.
1: Uh, well, there, oh, there, God. I, there's... I. There's nothing good about it, but... There's nothing oh, good about this movie. It's, uh... It really... Like, you said, like, a 12-year-old. No, I, I think it's, like, somebody went to chat GPT and was like... Yes. Give us a Saw movie, <laughs> but it's a, a police procedural starring Chris Rock, and this is exactly what AI came up with. Yeah, And... It's hilariously bad. Like that question of what is it going to be? Like, is it going to be Chris Rock like you've never seen him? No, it is just going to be Chris Rock in a serious movie.
0: (laughs) It's No, it's going to be Chris Rock trying really, really hard not to crack a smile in a serious (laughs) movie because that is what his acting looks like. He is trying so hard (laughs) to not crack a smile that he looks uncomfortably mean through the whole thing. He's just shouting at people and he's got really bizarre looks on his face. There's one point where he gets in someone's face and yells at them. The camera lingers a little too long and you get this cartoonish eye twitch. Did you catch that? No. Oh, my God. Because, you know, I love Chris Rock, by the way. I freaking love him. I thought his latest comedy special was one of the funniest things I'd seen. Uh, And, And the thing that I always think about when I see Chris Rock in the comedy special is... I don't think I've ever seen Chris Rock without a smile on his face. You know yeah. you know how people have like a bitchy resting face? Like Chris Rock has the opposite, whatever the opposite of a bitchy resting face, a happy resting face. Chris Rock, I think his face is just naturally, his muscles just naturally contort him into a smile just when he's sitting at home thinking of nothing. And so to see him in this trying to look mean, he's trying so hard, God bless him. And it just, it just feels awkward. It looks awkward. And sometimes- it just looks ridiculous.
1: <laughs> Sometimes, okay. So, so when he's just being like the hard nosed cop, that the those parts didn't bother me so much. I even thought, you know, there are people like this who are, you know. <laughs> kind of like gruff and serious but they're also really cynical and so they you know they use a lot of sarcasm and cynicism like uh, i can buy that he's maybe a little you know funnier than most of these guys would be but in the serious moments which there aren't a whole lot of but there are a couple of the serious moments where i'm like oh this is just painfully painfully bad like there's yeah. there's there's one scene that's a flashback so you get to see it a couple of times where he's a cop and he's got a whole backstory. I'm sure we'll get into it, but like his old partner was corrupt and, and shot a witness. And you, you see this happen in flashback and you see Chris rock run in and go like, Oh no, what happened? Like, And, and it's just the, Oh God, it's terrible. It looks like they, Like they're shooting a commercial with somebody they pulled out of the mall. Like it's, (laughs) oh boy. It's
0: terrible. It's
1: really, really bad. Now that being said, the whole genesis of this movie is that comedian Chris Rock likes Saw movies. Being an A-list celebrity, he called up the producers and was like, I'd like to do a Saw movie. And they were like, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't say no. He said, "Here's my <laughs> right. pitch," and everybody was like, "We love it!" And then he just <laughs> all right did it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, poor and, guy.
1: And he—I oh. don't even know if IMDb gives him a writing credit, but uh, he clearly wrote a lot of this. At least his own stuff. You have to just play his introduction because yes. it's stand-up comedy. It he is. He just straight up does a stand-up comedy routine for the first three or four minutes of the show. Forrest Gump with special needs, man. What was the name of the girl? Jenny. Jenny. He did everything for Jenny. This mother f- did some shit. He jogged across the whole country. He beat China in ping pong. You know how f- hard that shit is? He's a war hero. Who the f- is nicer than Forrest Gump? His best friend was a and a white boy with no legs. He made a billion dollars selling shrimp, and she still wouldn't f- him. Hey, eventually, they got together. Yeah. After she got AIDS, as soon as she got AIDS, she's like, hey, Forrest.
0: It's 100 percent Chris Rock for the first like five to t- almost 10 minutes, really, like when he meets his new partner and all that. He's kind of being, well, wise ass to him. It, it just sounds it, it, you're right. It just like pulled straight out of his comedy routine. And I did read that that he did like the director was saying that he was coming up with stuff on the fly. He rewrote a lot of the things. Like he was very actively involved in the writing. They said he agonized over scenes and stuff. Like I just Chris Rock. He's he's such a hard worker. He cared so much about this project. He just put his all into every single scene we did. And I'm thinking, oh man, I just feel bad talking about how bad this is, <laughs> you know, because I love the guy so much. But... See,
1: and maybe it's my love for him. I don't know because like ultimately, I thought. Like, I enjoyed it. I, but I think part of the reason I was enjoying it on the one hand, it is intentionally funny. Like, it's Chris Rock, he's Parts cracking of it jokes, like, just crack through the whole thing. He's cracking jokes, and they're like ridiculous scenes, just absolutely stupid, stupid, yes, see, that, that are like out of a buddy cop comedy, yeah, but but out of place. Existing, right? It it doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm thinking specifically there's one point where he and his new partner are searching for information or something and they get tipped off to this drug dealer and it's a meth dealer and they pull up and Chris Rock's like so do you know how this works? And the partner's like, oh yeah, this is a meth house. They send down a bucket and you send up some money and uh, they send down some meth and Chris Rock's like somebody's been watching The Wire. Like, (laughs) <laughs> that joke is so ironic because, like, yeah, the writers of this movie have been watching The Wire. It's such a stupid yeah. setup. And then it's a whole shtick where Chris Rock puts on a ghetto character and is, like, trying to scam for meth. And it's huge. It is a, it, it is a blatantly comedic scene. In what is otherwise a very serious horror movie. It's weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's uh. so much of this. He, he wanted to do this movie about police brutality and make a point and all that, which I'm kind of behind. I thought it sounded like an interesting direction. But then the way that it comes across, it, everything is just so on the nose. Everything is so cliche. Everything is so laughably like this police force is so corrupt.
1: Oh, God. Like They're like
0: cartoon, it's like the Animaniacs. Every single one of them running around openly shooting, you know, innocent people and things like that. And they just laugh about how they cover it up. I mean, if you're trying to make a point, you know, if you're trying to have some social commentary here, you need to have something believable. And this is so on the nose that there's nothing believable about it. It just plays as... A dumb 90 straight-to-video police procedural. Well,
1: and like you said, everything is so cliche and stereotypical. Ugh. Like, Chris Rock is, you know, he's disgruntled and he can't trust anybody on this team or whatever, and, which he shouts at them. All Like every few minutes he yells at them, I can't trust you. Like <laughs> he, he – like just, just, just open animus between him and everybody else. And I guess it all stems from the fact that uh, five years ago or something – I don't know, maybe even longer than that, like 13, 15 years ago, something like that. His uh, partner was corrupt and shot a witness, and he turned him in, and like that, he turned his back on the team, like he wasn't loyal or whatever. And now, 15 years later, they're all still pissed about it. He's still pissed about it. He's also... Okay, <laughs> before I before I go to the next one, the, the captain... <laughs> it's just...
0: It, it is,
1: like, it's in any other like comedy cop movie where the captain just all, all his dialogue is yelled at the top of his yes. lungs. Like like they, they do that here, except with a sexy lady, but she's the same character. Like she's constantly just yelling and we have to be a team. And uh, uh, it's just so, so silly. And my favorite part that I had no idea. <laughs> and so when it <laughs> happened, I was like, what Chris Rock's dad, was the former captain, <laughs> and he is played by Samuel L. Jackson
0: <laughs> of all people, <laughs> giving also...
1: his best. Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I told Alan that I was talking about the movie, and I was like, um, "And Samuel L. Jackson, he's so good, he's so Samuel L. Jackson." And Alan's like, "Is Samuel L. Jackson ever anything but Samuel L. Jackson?" And I was like, "No, I love not that. really." <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's so great. He just gets to play himself and collect a paycheck. I really admire that man. (laughs)
1: Oh, God. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's hilarious, too. And he's funny in this movie, but like, I'm always, you know, nervous about stereotyping anybody. But when people play into, I feel like they're playing into certain stereotypes here. Yes. When Chris Rock comes home to his own apartment, which is, of course, like this big, beautiful studio apartment all brick walls and stuff (laughs) interesting like lighting ah so silly um (laughs) he comes around the corner and we're shocked to see Samuel L. Jackson sitting there and of course their father and son which we learn after they're done pointing guns at each other and but then their whole scene felt like an episode of Sanford and Son like it was so weird
0: oh so weird I don't even know how to pinpoint why.
1: I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be jokey. Like <laughs> I think it was. Jigsaw copycat. That could be difficult. What are you saying? Nothing. Just, you know, being lead detective a lot of responsibility. You got a problem with that? Or are you just scared I'm going to embarrass you? See? That right there. This ain't about you. You're always making shit about you. That's the shit that ruins your career and your marriage. So now you're giving fatherly advice. What you talking about, Willis? These were both very intelligent men and, same, and, and good actors and have been in the industry forever. They're not novices. They know what they're doing. And this had to have been played for comedy. It, it just had f- to have been.
0: You know, I don't... I guess, but... The thing. okay. so the thing is that his father was the former police chief and he eventually got kicked out. And then his second in command, who is the woman you were talking about, become became the police chief. And so much of this movie is doled out over time that we are always kind of confused as to what went on and what happened now. And
1: it's it's doled out over time in really clunky flashbacks,
0: really clunky, like just random flashbacks. Just suddenly there's a flashback connected to nothing just suddenly boom we're in a flashback but we don't get all the flashback
1: right and why are we parsing it out yeah it's not like there's some big mystery really that gets uncovered until the very very end but you could have just given us all that exposition at once like we didn't need to see it every few minutes
0: well, that's the thing. Like, of course, with a Saw movie, there's mystery. There's things you don't know. You know, like a couple of the Saw movies, like, or many of them, right? Like, the characters who are in there. They don't even know how they're related until later. You know, like, right, right. like, they don't even know why they're all in there. But these are not those things. No. These are just basic information that we could have learned about all the characters in the beginning. It would have made things much less confusing.
1: Right, right
0: honestly, I would argue, would have added to the enjoyment of the movie. You don't just put mystery in for the sake of mystery. It's it's frustrating. And so we hear allusions to people and things that happened, and, oh, his dad was sort of kicked off, and there was something that happened with his partner, and there was corruption and whatever. But, like, it takes forever for us to find out what this is, and it's kind of confusing how it's doled out. And then you're just like, oh, okay, so... What happened was his partner showed up to question a witness who had witnessed some another policeman who had done something. What was it? I don't remember. Uh, it,
1: it doesn't. I
0: don't know. It doesn't even matter. I don't even think we know. And uh, when the witness said, "Yeah, I saw that policeman do this, and I'm happy to testify against him, officer," then his partner just pulls out his gun and shoots him dead in front of his son. He drops a gun there by the guy, and then Chris Rock runs in and says, "What happened? What happened?" He's like, "Oh, uh, he pulled a gun on me and shot me." It's obvious, I think only Chris Rock's character sees the kid. So he kind of peeks around the corner where the kid is cowering and does like a shh kind of thing, like, don't come out. And then later on, Chris Rock turns this guy in, says that he did this thing, and he gets excoriated for it. And then somehow, I don't remember exactly how Samuel Jackson, Chris Rock's father, who was the captain gets angry at another guy and
1: because everybody hated him then he he was in some situation not i'm talking about chris rock and so he was in a dangerous situation he called for backup and they ignored yes. him
0: they ignored him
1: right they were right there they could have helped and they just ignored him and uh he ended up getting shot and um samuel L. jackson comes and does this ridiculous scene where he he wants to know who you know was closest uh, and who ignored the call for backup or whatever, and is he's going to check the records? And as soon as he finds out, he's going to put a bullet in the head of whoever it was. And oh. then this one cop like kind of shies away. He's like, "Oh, it was you, right?" And it was this guy. But he like beats the crap out of him. He's like, "You're done." And like, what is happening here? And <laughs> and they never. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh well, that must be why Samuel L. Jackson's not the captain anymore. But they never allude to that.
0: They never explain it, really. No,
1: I, I assumed that maybe he would get in trouble for beating up that guy, but they never said that or showed it.
0: And I mean, let's just talk about how stupid all this is. I mean, well, hold
1: on, hold on. I wanted, I we've done a good job of setting it up, but I feel like at this point, if you haven't seen the movie and you care about like the t- mystery. Stop now because I don't I don't know how we I really don't even know how we can move forward with the plot without spoiling it pretty much right away because one of my (laughs) one of the things that I was so excited to talk about seriously turn it off because I'm about to spoil it here Mm -hmm. in two seconds it is so blatantly obvious who the killer is within like the first 15 minutes
0: yes yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I called it a hundred percent. I mean, there's no there's no question who it could be at that yeah. yeah.
1: There, so there was one little thing that happened, but it was a little thing that I've seen a bazillion times. And I was like, Oh, he's the killer. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then more things kept happening. I'm like, Pfft. Like, (laughs) duh! like I was, I was so right. It's so obvious. I was really proud of myself. I'm I'm bragging. I'm like, Alan, I totally figured out who it was in the first 20 minutes. And then I'm reading the trivia on IMDb. And that's one of the things like, yeah, everybody figured it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. You get really proud in early on. You think, oh, that's great. And then you hear all these like extra quips and extra like comments and things that he makes. And then you're like. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of have to be dumb by now to figure it out, even if you didn't catch it early on, right?
1: Oh God, I mean, even if you just got a plot outline of this movie, I think that when this character is introduced, you be like, "Oh, it's them." (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty clunky, but the the setup of the movie, ultimately, it is a jigsaw copycat. Yeah, and so you do get those elements. I mean, that's one of the very first things. The very first things. uh, It opens up in like a Fair, and uh, a woman gets her purse stolen and a man starts chasing after the thief and and chases him down, I think, into the subway tunnels or something and then gets knocked out by somebody wearing a pig's head, which, you know, comes from the series or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you get these little... <laughs> Honestly this movie felt like those direct to video Hellraiser sequels that were never intended to be Hellraiser movies but they were just movies that they had and they were like ah, we can write in some Cenobites. that's what right. this <laughs> felt like like it just it just felt like any serial killer movie yes. or um any episode of Criminal Minds yes but make it
0: saw well this was my point that I was kind of trying to make at the very beginning: is it's just a police procedural movie. The only thing that connects it to the Saw franchise is these traps and the mention of that it's a copycat of the Jigsaw Killer. But there's nothing else about it that echoes the Saw franchise. Every serial killer has a motive, and this guy has a motive too. Right. So, I mean, that's nothing unique. Saw had this kind of like deep philosophy, kind of about you know right. these these traps and these ways to bring people in, but also like part of the thing is that these people have choices to make, like they can redeem themselves, right?
1: But well, supposedly you know, these people could too, but you're but also there's... right that it, the stakes seem lower. I mean. Yeah. It, It's hard to describe because it's kind of like saw light, but in a way, it also kind of harkens back more to the first one, which makes sense because this guy is new at this. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Jigsaw. Jigsaw worked on this for years and years and years. Like he could set up whole booby-trapped houses. Right. That was a whole different thing. But I don't know. But it is. It just seems like you know, make it a serial killer. Give him a motive. The motives fine, whatever, but just make it Saw. And, and so they just steal things from those movies. They steal the killer wearing the pig's head. In this case... It makes sense because it comes down. They're dealing with cops, and the killer doesn't like cops. So you know he's making fun. He's he's mocking them by wearing pigs' heads and leaving pig corpses around. There's that. Um, he marks uh, every crime scene with a spiral that is the spiral from Billy the Puppet's cheek. So there's that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, he leaves video messages where he says things for the victims. I want to play a game. And then he explains the trap and what they have to do and there are traps. Um and then he communicates with the cops via video and he also uses a little marionette puppet. Uh, right. It's not it's not Billy the puppet, but it's a little pig marionette that kind of looks like Billy. And like that that wasn't even written in the script. At some point somebody was like, "No, nah, you uh, know, uh saw w- a puppet. We we need a puppet." <laughs> and they're like,
0: uh, <laughs> "Right." It's <laughs> like it's like okay. It's like- okay. It's like what Bill Ober's Junior told us about when they filmed one of the Children of the Corn sequels, and somebody came yeah. to them and said, "You missed two elements. There are no children, and there's no corn. Add some more scenes, and then we can we can distribute it." Yeah, put, <laughs> put, put a puppet in it. Just, just put a puppet in <laughs> right. it, and then,
1: so they did, and that's fine, whatever. Um, and what? It, so the first guy who gets set up in a trap. He gets strung up in a subway tunnel over the tracks with this contraption on his head that is a vice on his tongue. And this video comes on, and it's... Oh, God, I don't even remember what the... What does it look like? Is it the pig head guy? What
0: is the... Uh, The thing that talks to him is... um... Oh, God, I don't remember either. All I remember is the voice is like, the Saw voice was creepy. This is like a soft-spoken, the opposite of the Saw voice. I wondered
1: if it was a woman. I mean, it's still manipulated. Like, it still sounds somehow altered like it's speaking through some kind of filter or something yeah but yeah it, it sounds very different which they intended they wanted it to sound different and they tried a bunch of different things initially they had the idea that it would be like a child's voice and then they thought that sounded stupid and then they tried to alter the actor who plays the actual killer they tried to alter his voice and that didn't work and i so they ended up with what they ended up with it sounds different
0: hello detective Boswick. i want to play a game The three train is arriving in two minutes. It is up to you to decide if this will be your final stop. You have taken the witness stand many times and railroaded innocent people with your lies, putting them away in jail. Today, it is you who will be railroaded. You have one chance to live. Tear from your mouth the tongue that has so often been used to lie and to deceive. Take a leap of faith and you will live. Only your weight will rip away your lying tongue and save you. Live or die, make your choice.
1: But he doesn't, at least not in time. Um, That's another thing. These traps, this killer must have been impatient because whereas in Saw, sometimes they had to agonize for a really long time. No, these folks have like 30 seconds. Like,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: d- decide, decide, oh, shoot, you're dead. <laughs> I mean,
0: honestly, this kind of bothered me a little bit. I, look, I'm not going to Saw for believability, but right. so many of these setups, like, come on, please, no, this isn't going to happen. Like, there's a subway train that's going to be coming by in two minutes. This guy just kind of woke up on his own and Right, right. Then this thing came on. Perfect timing. Yeah, this happen- I think almost every trap is like this, where they kind of wake up on their own, they got the perfect timing for the killer. None of these things are actually clever. Like, this is why I like the Saw movies. It's because these traps had these kind of clever, almost ironic, I don't know, like here in a way, yeah, all right, so he lied on the stand, so we're going to rip your tongue out so you can't talk anymore. There's a a, bit, a hint of irony there. It just didn't go far enough. It wasn't clever enough, like most of the yeah, other Saw movies. Yeah, it's yeah,
1: it's not it's not as clever as it thinks it is. Well, the whole movie opens up. We skipped this. It opens up. It seems like Chris Rock is a, a robber, and it's he's like he robs this drug dealer or something. it turns out it was a sting, and his cover got blown or whatever. Anyway, he gets sent out. Uh, on this guy who got hit by the subway train and realizes it's not a homeless guy as they had expected. They don't figure out who it is right there. But then they go back to the precinct and a box is delivered. (laughs) There's this whole like... (laughs) <laughs> valent what's what's uh my bloody like, valentine like, there's a whole my bloody valentine thing it's too. like
0: my bloody valentine <laughs> <laughs> where
1: a, a, a box gets delivered with a bloody flash drive i think and he puts it in and there's a message it's like one of your men wouldn't redeem himself and he's not going to be the last one and it shows this spiral and chris Rock's like i know that building that's the courthouse and it's that's another thing that's <laughs> hilarious to me like every time they see one of these locations somebody's like i know where that is yeah.
0: <laughs> one, one of the locations is it's two blocks away from here I'm it's thinking, an
1: underpass right
0: okay well shouldn't everybody know where that is then i mean if it's right. two freaking blocks away from your station this is how silly it gets well he goes out to investigate this but not before he gets assigned a new partner which is the most stereotypical cliche thing you could possibly do in a cop movie well
1: and he even chris rock even kind of calls it out he's got a whole shtick about not wanting a partner not needing a partner and this guy who plays his partner max minggela in the in the movie his name is uh william shank but max minggela he's this young good-looking actor he's been around for a while um, I've seen him in several things. The thing that I recognized him most from is he is a, a, a main character on The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, series. Oh yeah, yeah, and has been from the beginning. Like they're in their like fourth or fifth season or something, and he's been a central character throughout. And he's good. I like this actor. But you're right. It's so stereotypical and stupid. Like he's the rookie that gets thrown in with the down on his luck cop that nobody likes, and he's a big grouch and it's also stupid. Like I know. it's so cliche. <laughs> and uh, Chris Rock's basically just dragging this kid around. He has nothing to do. They go on this first thing together. The clue leads them to the courthouse. They go to the courthouse and they find another box. And inside that box is a tongue and the badge. And from the badge, they get the badge number, which leads them to the cop that it was. It turns out it was one of Chris Rock's friends. Like so, he has to go and like comfort the cop's widow, which I thought surely would result in something but no it's just an extra five minutes of the movie <laughs> it's so frustrating that's the really the rest of the movie is just this investigation but cops keep getting killed in these traps but really there's only a couple more right
0: yeah the, the next guy is this guy Fitch he's the guy who ignored uh his backup call Chris the banks backup call earlier which was so dumb like really these cops on a stakeout are literally just gonna. One of them calls for backup and they're just gonna chuckle and smoke cigars in their car while the other one possibly gets murdered. Like, it really, really was
1: stupid. It was especially stupid because then when they hear the gunshots, like they're super concerned. Like, oh shit, oh like, shit,
0: what did you they're think really going to
1: happen. I, like, <laughs> did you think he was just around? Like,
0: it's so stupid, it's really so, dumb. That's the flashback. Anyway, he gets abducted and he's put in this uh, trap where there's this device that he's like sitting in water and his fingers are going to get ripped off or he's going to get electrocuted. Both end up happening. So... Again, it's, this, this was one this.
1: especially, there wasn't even enough time for no. the trap to work. Like he was strung up, um, and his fingers were in like what looked like those like Chinese finger traps that we used to play mm-hmm. with kids, kind of, and on wires, and they were getting pulled, and eventually it got pulled like under a bar, so his arms got stuck. He couldn't go forward anymore, and it was pulling his fingers off. But he was doing it. Like, yeah. he, he had to control it. He had to, like, bite down on something to make it go. And he was doing it. Like, he paused for a second, but then he he kept going, and it was happening, and he got electrocuted anyway. So, like, he, he didn't have a chance, Yeah, it it was really it was a stupid ruse because even if he had bitten down as soon as he was told to and held it down the whole time,
0: it wouldn't have worked. He
1: may have gotten all his fingers ripped off, but he certainly wouldn't have had time to get out of that tub.
0: Right. Well, maybe this was the. The killer's a rookie I guess <laughs> he didn't yeah he didn't, he didn't calibrate things properly or something but this is one of those cases where we see him in the trap we hear the thing and then it cuts away it's like maddeningly yes it this cuts one, away
1: it does on this one this one is bad because you do you you know he's dead before you actually see him get killed I yeah. don't think that happens in the other ones um, but it does happen in this one and I didn't understand why they did it yes. <laughs> It didn't make sense.
0: For this director who has done, like, other Saw movies, this is totally against the whole formula. Like, you want to know if this guy's going to do it. You don't start the trap and then cut away and show that he's already dead and then later in some clunky flashback sequence showed what happened. By then, we don't care. We know. Oh, okay. His fingers got ripped off and he got electrocuted. Like, boring. Right. But this was apparently one of the scenes where they had to trim because he said, the director said, boy, in, in the original scene as we did it, you saw every single finger pop and all this stuff and whatnot. And I was sitting here thinking, like, after I read that, like, I don't even care because I didn't need to see any of it because I already knew he was dead. There's no tension. Why? You yeah. know, what's the point?
1: Yeah, it was it was really clunky uh,
0: in the editing there. I just I don't get it. And uh, God, oh, the it, next thing is really stupid, though they begin to think that Banks is responsible because he hated Finch. Uh,
1: Banks, Banks is Chris Rock. Okay. Right. And
0: Chris right. Rock. Right. So then a box comes to the station and it's got a pig puppet in it and it has a piece of his partner's skin. Yeah. It's skin. And when he flips it over, there's tattoo on it. Now, his partner just hasn't been around, I guess. Like He's I, I've always
1: of... been there. Like He's been around. He just doesn't do anything. Yeah. And so the, st- it's got uh, a tattoo, Charlie. And, and they, they had made a whole big thing about how the new partner, God, what is his name? Shank. Uh, Shank. Shank. You know, the first time they get into the car together, Shank gets a, a picture of his family. And it's him and his wife and a kid. And he, like, puts it up. In the visor, like he just wants to have a picture of his family there. Okay, that makes sense. I assumed at that point. Well, they're setting it up t- for high stakes yeah. because he's got a, a wife and a, a baby at home, and so he's probably going to be in peril or or something. And and they talked about it again later. There's a scene where Shank calls him for some reason, and the baby is crying, and Shank's like, "Oh yeah, I know. It sounds terrible, but you know, we're sleep training. He'll cry himself to sleep or whatever." Oh yeah. yeah. But that's it. Like. Otherwise, he's just kind of hanging around. Or
0: or not there at all, yeah.
1: Or not there at all. And then at this point, he gets the skin that says Charlie on it, and they get led by a clue to a butcher store that used to be like a hobby shop that Chris Rock's dad took him to when he was a kid. Like, all of it is...
0: (sighs) This is the most convoluted bullshit you've ever seen in his it life. It is. Like,
1: it really is. He
0: peels up the head of the doll and finds this little vial of paint with the name of the hobby shop, which I really have a hard time believing that the killer would have known this little detail. Anyway, it's so yeah, ridiculously convoluted. it doesn't really convoluted. make sense. It doesn't and, make right, sense. Right,
1: it is. And, and so it leads them to that place, and they find a skinned body, and they're like... Sometime around this time, they start doing these weird shots of like Chris Rock just screaming. Like it, it'll <laughs> right. just it'll just be a, a shot of his regular face, and then it will, <laughs> and then it'll just be like a different cut of him like screaming maniacally.
0: It's trying to be like a Nine Inch Nails video, but just yeah, kind of like, out of like the he's blue. He's screaming
1: in his head, but we can yeah. see it. It's right. really weird. This is also the point where I had already figured it out. But at this point, there's just absolutely it is so blatantly obvious. Yeah. that the partner is the killer. And yes. this isn't even the, the reason that it's so blatantly obvious here is because they have made like the deaths of the cops are the money shots of the movie. Yeah. Like the the traps are the money shots and yeah. they don't show us this guy get killed. They just show his skin and then they show this skinned body.
0: I'm <laughs> like, they don't even show this guy get ab- supposedly abducted. You know, no, there is it's just like,
1: if you don't see them get killed on screen, they are not dead. Like that is yeah. just a rule Mm-hmm. but the the first time that I knew it was him when I was like oh it's him was they were sitting around a table like looking at evidence or, or clues or something and the partner was like oh I need to make a call oh crap my phone's dead give me your phone and Chris mm-hmm. Rock like makes a joke but he hands him his phone and the guy walks out of the room with his phone I'm like oh it's him Yeah, he totally did it there, there, there's no reason that he needed to take his phone and take it out of the room unless he was doing something shady. I knew it from that point that it was him. And then because I knew that it was him, when he made that call and the baby was crying in the background, I was like, there's no baby. Unless I see a baby, there is no baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling my, in my head, I'm like, these are the things that are going to pop up in that montage at the end to explain everything. And they are. Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes. Like... <laughs> yes, you were absolutely right There was also a moment when he said Oh, I've waited 12 years for this And I yes. was like, yeah, okay I've waited 12 <laughs> years for this And there's
1: another moment where he said Said something about, oh yeah, your dad uh, He's he's the whole reason I'm doing this And I mm-hmm. knew it I'm like, wait a minute What's?" Ah, it's it was way so too obvious. obvious I didn't even, like I knew it was him I didn't know what his motive was And uh, I don't know. It's not too hard to figure out. He keeps killing all these corrupt cops. Yeah. So there's obviously something going on there. Ultimately, it makes sense. But uh, real quick, the last person to get killed is the hot captain, which I didn't see coming. And she gets waterboarded with hot wax. And
0: uh, This trap didn't even make sense to me. So she gets waterboarded with hot wax, and but she has to sever her spinal cord on a blade to stop it from flowing from a pipe onto her face.
1: So I didn't understand that either.
0: And usually these traps, there's like a mechanical thing, right? You got to do this thing, which is going to pull this lever, or going to yank this cord, or going to cut this thing, or whatever, and that's going to stop the trap. I could not see how physically her you know, backing her neck over this blade was going to do anything to stop the wax and it shows you close up the trap the blade her neck all that stuff i don't know at this point i was also thinking i was sort of thinking it was like ai don't remember if it was the second one or the third one where again spoiler alert but part of the plot is that the traps are not actually meant to be they're rigged so that even if you do the thing they say you're still gonna die mm. I, I even felt like oh well maybe this is one of those cases because they'll couple the last three traps that we've seen in this movie i couldn't think that you know like you just said there's no time it just didn't seem to work you know i thought maybe that was a thing it's not but uh that's how bad these are Uh, It's just so not in keeping with the Saw franchise that it's just mind-blowing that the same people participated in it. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that it's gross. It's gross to watch her get waterboarded with well, hot yeah. wax and then to see Chris Rock run in. Um, they know that she's in trouble. Like, he got sent kind of on a wild goose chase and he figures out that he had gotten sent on a wild goose chase. And so they know that she's in trouble and are not in a big hurry. Like, that drove me crazy. Yeah. Like, he and some other chicky cop were like upstairs and they realized that she's just in the basement in the precinct and so they just kind of jog down there like they don't seem to be (laughs) i I really thought if they had just picked up the pace a little bit they might have saved her
0: right um, right yeah but
1: uh instead he just goes down there and peels the wax off and takes off part of her face with it which looked really gross but yeah it was uh i just i don't know
0: so then he gets another lead, right? I can't remember what it is.
1: Well, his dad has been missing this whole time. Like <laughs> right. they were they were they you know, we've we've we established that they have a strained relationship. Um we see more of that in the flashbacks. Like I think his dad's pissed off at him for turning in a corrupt cop without consulting him first or something. And then his dad has just been missing this whole time. Yeah. And he gets some sort of clue. I don't know. I hardly took any uh any notes here but we see
0: okay he gets captured he wakes up at a warehouse and he's handcuffed to a pipe just like the first movie and there's a hacksaw and so he goes and he grabs it and he you know starts to try to hacksaw through his uh his his cuffs sees it's not gonna work and we're all thinking the same thing yeah but then he he sees a bobby pin a little ways away as well so he he just kind of like uses the saw to pull it towards him so that he could pick the lock, and I was like, "Is this supposed to be funny? Is this like a joke for us, or like a nod to?" I
1: think it was
0: the previous movie because it just—it's just, just kind of thrown in there. Yeah, it I doesn't think it really was. play like uh, okay. All right, I think so I then,
1: read somewhere even that. Uh... One of the things that Chris Rock was thinking about when he was thinking, what would it be? Like he was trying to picture himself in that position, like a movie where I, Chris Rock, am chained to a... <laughs> with, a with a hacksaw, and what does that look like? Um, but he finds a bobby pin. Sure, I, I don't know if that was some kind of test, you know? like
0: Right? Like, why would that you be? Know, if,
1: if he's clever enough, if he looks closely enough, he'll find this bobby pin, and he'll be able to get out whatever uh, yeah. and so he gets himself out and then he finds his ex-partner who he's talked to since like oh, there was yeah. a whole there was a whole scene where he went back and talked to his ex-partner the one that he had turned in
0: it was like a counselor or something for... yeah
1: he's rehabilitated himself he like runs an aa group or something he's still bitter
0: oh by the way he talks about article eight there's this mention, I think he's the first person who mentions Article 8. Yeah, Article 8, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, your yeah, dad we started that. Under we
1: were working then. under Article 8,
0: yeah. well, we, Back then, we were working under Article 8, so a lot of bad shit went down. I don't think by the end of the movie, any of us ever know what Article 8 was.
1: I couldn't remember if it was a real thing thing i don't think no no was, i was think i was thinking i don't even know where this takes place do they ever make mention of i mean it's just urban like i don't know
0: yeah i don't think it was a particular i was thinking
1: place. like you know corrupt cops and stuff i was thinking uh like stop and frisk and stuff but right. i think that this is just um i don't know whatever it's but a yeah, stand-in thing yeah, yeah yeah he uh he mentions it and then uh he tries to get this guy down <laughs> I didn't even understand what this was. Like, he's set up in front of some thing where there's a conveyor now, belt. No, I knew
0: what this was. What is it? Because I was on the city council. We used to have one of these. It was a glass crushing machine, you know, like recycling glass and things like that. You grind the glass down into tiny little pieces so that you can use it like in gravel and like to kind of as a bed for roads and Why stuff. Why does and so- it
1: shoot shards of glass out like a cannon? That just doesn't seem wise at all.
0: I guess it had been like, you know, modified or something okay. or something put behind
1: it. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't see a logical like I could understand the grinding process, but like just dump the shards onto the ground. Don't project them out of a yeah. giant cannon.
0: <laughs> it it didn't even make sense in the movie because in the movie, like when you see there's like a there's like a conveyor belt that's continuously going of bottles that are set up, you know, that drop into this thing and then shoot out at him. Yet when, when you see like it in practice, it's like it shoots a bunch and then stops and then shoots a bunch and then stops and then shoots a bunch. It's like, it's almost like there's a rhythm to it, but actually like visually you can see there's, there's not a gap between the bottles. It's just a bunch of bottles. So I didn't get this at all. Uh, it was dumb. Yeah,
1: whatever. It doesn't matter. He like, I think he figures out how to get him down, but it's too late. And then another door opens and he walks in there and his dad is strung up like a marionette. And I don't understand this either. Like oh. he, he's he, he's got like spikes through him or something that are draining blood into all these jars all around. Now, this it does look like a saw trap. Um, and the way yeah. that it's lit and the way that it's constructed, it's very spooky, and it looks very much like a... I don't know what I'm trying to get at. Like, it, it lives up to the franchise. It looks really good.
0: Yeah, it's needles in his arm, and at the end of each needle, it's, you know, it's like the needle you might get to draw blood at the Red Cross or something. It goes into tubes, but instead of the tubes leading to a blood bag, it just it just goes down. So it's like, one in each arm and one in each leg, and it goes down to a, a jar down below where it's dripping the blood. And you can see that these jars are at least halfway full of blood.
1: Yeah, which is dumb. So what's-his-name reveals himself. Um, Shank reveals himself. He's not really dead, which you could see coming 10 miles away. But he explains himself. Turns out he was that kid. He was the kid of the guy who got shot. Now, when you were explaining that flashback, I think that we see that flashback like two or three times. But every Mm -hmm. time we see it, we get more information. I don't think we get that the kid was a witness to that until now, we've seen the guy get shot at least twice, but I think this is the first time that we see that a kid was right behind him watching, and that Chris Rock acknowledged that. Well, anyway, Shink is that kid. He's been planning this forever, and what his end game is is he wants Chris Rock to be his partner, and uh, Chris Rock will be the inside guy, and they'll get the dirty on dirty cops and kill them.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and Chris Rock is like What? <laughs>
0: you want me to kill cops? He's like no just the dirty ones <laughs> yeah, just, No just
1: the bad ones um, mm-hmm. and, But he's got to like make a decision Like he can either shoot the partner Shank or He's only got one bullet in his gun He can shoot Shank or he can shoot This target which will drop his dad And, and save his all right, dad.
0: Let me Let me just talk about how dumb this is First of all why would he not save his dad? Of course he would save his dad. He's not going to shoot this partner and let his dad die. Okay. Unless he's afraid the partner is going to do something, but the partner said, oh, you got this choice. I'm going to let you make a choice. So, you know, in keeping with the saw, he's got a choice. All right. Number two, he shoots, <laughs> he shoots that target, which drops his dad to the ground. Which then he runs up to him. Uh, by the way, by the way, oh, you forgot the to cops. mention that yeah. this guy calls the cops. He says, oh, there's a, there's a crazy guy. He calls the cops on the phone. He says, 911, there's this crazy guy over at the warehouse. He's shooting people. He shoots like a, a few bullets off of his gun. So like, come down here quick. All right, now the SWAT team's on their way. Really?
1: We have exactly four minutes.
0: In exactly four minutes, you know this, and you've timed all this. Uh-huh. He also says, oh, do you know that the human body has 1.5 gallons of blood in there? Your dad's not going to last very long. He's like, the SWAT team might get here, but not in time to save your dad. Really? How did you time all this out so perfectly right. uh-huh. that your dad would be drained of just enough blood? And then you call the SWAT team. You know when they're going to arrive. So I'm sure he, he's got some leeway here. It would probably be okay. Number two. You could just go up to your dad hanging there from a marionette and pull all of those tubes out of his arms and legs, which are hanging right there within arm's reach, if that is all that is required to save your dad. Right. Which, that is sort of what the movie implies. His dad falls to the ground, he pulls out, we only see him pull one out, but I guess we assume he pulls all of the rest of them out as well, and that's supposed to stop the bleeding? No. His dad, you would need to like Put some pressure on all of those right. wounds to stop the blood from flowing. Like, none of this shit makes sense. So that right. was irritating.
1: Or shoot the bad guy and then throw the gun at the target.
0: Like, yeah. surely,
1: surely there's something else you could get that target there's,
0: with. Oh, it's a stupid thing. It is estate. silly.
1: And then, so, like, he shoots the target. The dad falls down. Then he, I guess, is trying to get. Shank. Meanwhile, the cops are cutting through this heavy steel door, and when they cut through it, they also cut through a tripwire that pulls the dad back up, and magically, from somewhere, a rifle appears in his arm, and as the police come in, the marionette machine pulls up the dad's arm so it looks like he's pointing a shotgun at the police and the police shoot him a bazillion times and we, while this is happening we see Shank in an <laughs> elevator in the background and Chris Rock is looking at his dad and then he turns and looks over his shoulder and sees the elevator door closing on Shank and he goes No! And that's the end of the movie.
0: And Shake does the same, you know, motion that Chris Rock and the flashback did to right, him as a kid right, right. to keep him hidden, which also doesn't make logical sense. Like, that's supposed to be ironic, except, like, Chris Rock was actually helping the kid at that moment. Like, Chris Rock was helping the kid, helping his dad. Why in the world sh- wouldn't somebody have kept track of this kid? Like, none of that shit makes sense. Right. If there was a kid at the scene of the crime or the he kid who was... Right. None of that. Okay. So anyway, all that. Everything else is just silly.
1: It is. It's really stupid. We we forgot to mention too that the that um Shank, the the villain, is mad at Samuel L. Jackson because he ran the like he was captain of the police force and was very much aware of the corruption and supported it and hit it and all that kind of stuff. So he was corrupt too. We we left that part out. But Oh. I don't know. Ultimately, it was just really stupid. It is so dumb. <laughs> I admit, I think the reason, I think that's why I liked it. I think because it was so stupid, I was really <laughs> amused. I was really amused oh. by it.
0: I was flabbergasted at the movie. So I, I would say my first time through, I just could not believe how bad it was. So in that in that sense, yeah, I was pretty amused. I just couldn't believe that this thing got released as it was. I honestly cannot remember The last mainstream Hollywood movie, let alone with big stars in it, that I've ever seen where I just, was everyone out to lunch? What was going on here? I mean, I've seen some stupid movies, but I have always figured, well, I could see where they thought this was going to work. It just didn't play. Yeah. There are movies that just don't work. You know, Cutthroat Island didn't work. but Yeah you know you wouldn't necessarily watch that and pinpoint this and be like this is like really stupid this is ridiculous this, <laughs> like, you know, like, but this movie has got all of that like just the first cut of this should have just set huge alarm bells like we can't release this and they did and, and <laughs> oh it's just a va- it must have just been a vanity project for chris rock and nobody had the guts to you know say I oh guess. dude you can't act and all all this is really dumb and convoluted. I appreciate what he was trying to do. I actually really like, you know, kind of on the kind of in the sort of tales from the hood arena, I like the idea of taking this sort of very modern problem that we have of corrupt police and and kind of shining some light on it. I think the irony of his father raising the gun at them and them shooting without just because you know they felt threatened and all that i mean i think i think the idea of it as as pitched would be great but the execution just
1: yeah i i I agree with you it just it really doesn't work i i do again want to say i really am a big fan of chris rock i think he's hilarious and he's funny in this movie it's just like why (laughs) (laughs) i i I almost feel kind of like he was going for a lethal weapon vibe like this is a serious cop movie but we're funny Uh, Um, and I don't think, I don't think other people got the memo. Like he's, he's in that, he's (laughs) in that movie by himself and everybody else is trying to make an episode of Criminal Minds and,
0: uh, Chris Rock and the director kept going back and forth and their whole like sort of catchphrase was that this is, this was seven mixed with 48 hours.
1: Okay. Right. And I can see that. I can see, you know, the Eddie Murphy vibe. I get it. It doesn't work. No.
0: <laughs> this did work. The bottom line. <laughs> well, they're uh. going to be making a 10th a, a Saw movie.
1: Yeah, I I lost track, so I have no idea. I don't even know which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't.
0: It's still going to happen, even though this one was not critically received well. I don't know if it's necessarily going to have Chris Rock and it probably won't. No,
1: no. This, I think, was standalone. Um, In fact, I read that the the director and the guy, uh, Max Minghella, who played Shank, they talked about potential stories that could continue this, but I don't think that a sequel was ever really in consideration. And we, I think we've seen the last of Chris Rock in this, <laughs> in this poor world. Poor guy.
0: I, I feel so bad for Oh, poor for guy.
1: Him. He Try can go really cry deep. into his mountains of money. He's fine.
0: He <laughs> <It'll be> okay. <laughs> you still made money from this. Who cares, yeah. right? I wish my failures could be so successful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and whatever, you know, like, uh, he loved these movies and he wanted to be one and he had the whatever the gravitas to make that happen whatever good for you yeah hope he had fun
0: (laughs) i mean look to be fair it's got to be pretty easy when you're to make things like this happen
1: who knows but good for
0: him yeah good for him Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed it, please share this with a friend. Let us know what you thought of this movie and this episode by finding us online. Just Google Two Guys on Chainsaw Podcast, and you can find our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, Instagram. Just leave us a message anywhere there, and please share this with a friend. And if you are so motivated and enjoy this show, please write a review on any one of the platforms that you listen to podcasts. Uh, That is one of the best ways you can support us. If you want to go even further than that, find our patreon page at patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast for the very very low price of five dollars to ten dollars a month you can enjoy uh first looks at our podcasts you can hear our complete unedited versions of our phone calls that we use to put these together as well as a bunch of other goodies and some mini-sodes as well that we release a couple times a month until next time i'm todd and i'm craig with two guys and a chainsaw